What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam, the sad boy for a while, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network. Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, I, I don't appreciate you telling me how I'm feeling. I was literally over here smiling. You were. That's why I said <laughs> As you called me a sad boy. boy. Well, no. it, was, it, was, it was a little uh, subverting the expectations because everyone's going to think we're going to be in a sad mood because of the Braves, but I don't think we're going to be too sad about it. You know, this goes back to years past where we said all we need is one World Series and we're going to be happy for a while. And the thing I'm happiest about is like last year, we were kind of subtly complaining about that wedding we had to go to this past weekend, but I could not be more grateful that that wedding occurred this past weekend. Perfect so timing. Essentially missed. I mean, I, we watched some of... Friday and Saturday's game, but our entire weekend would have been scheduled around watching those dumb games. And it was an eight to three, nine to one. Then I would have really been a sad boy. Yeah. Fortunately, we had a happy occasion uh, to distract ourselves from a really disappointing series from our Braves. And I did not think we'd be sitting here the second week in October. I, th- I thought we would be having those discussions like we did last year about how October baseball really takes it out of you physically and mentally. Yeah, drinking too much. Drinking too much, staying up too late yeah. every night. It's a real grind. But instead, you know, we're exercising, we're getting good sleep, um, and the baseball season's over. Yeah. No need to watch it. Nope. I, I understand. I said this to our friend Tiffany, who is Philly John's wife. I was I can't remember if I was talking to you or not at the – brunch on Sunday where I was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Baseball season's over. And this is the biggest jab I've gotten from Philly John was through Tiffany where she said, it's not over for everyone. Mm. I was like, ooh, Tiffany. That's a good point. It's true. People still care out there. There's still Phillies and Padres it's, and, and Yankees and Guardians and whoever else is left. Houston The fans. Astros. I think yeah. Astros are just going to roll, but probably. You never know. Um, no, it, in general, it's an intriguing series. Padres versus Phillies, two teams who haven't won it in forever and in an alternate universe where the Braves are like rebuilding and not expected to win a World Series. I might be excited about it, but in this universe, I mean, I really thought that in my head, I was like, we got a real chance to be the first back-to-back World Series since what the seventies? No, ninety. Uh, the the late nineties Yankees won three in a row. Oh, National League. Oh, National League. National yes, League yes. since the seventies. Yeah. The the big red machine, the Reds. Right, right. But alas, it's not the case, Graham. We we played like crap. Yeah, we never got it going. Up and you know the only guy who showed up to pitch was Kyle Wright. Um, you know it really came down to. I mean. You can shit on the offense all you want. The offense was god-awful outside of three people, but the starting pitching was pathetic as well. Max Freed was not recovered from the flu. Spencer Strider pitched great for two innings. We were listening on the radio on the on the uh, way up there. I was like, oh, shit. He, he's, he's got his mojo, and then his velocity just drops in the third. Um, we know how that ended. Another, what, two, three-run home run. And then Charlie Morton, like I've been saying for the last month, is one of the worst road pitchers in baseball. Had a horrible last month. And I knew once we lost game three, it was over because I knew Charlie Morton's going to give me exactly what Charlie Morton's given me all year. In, uh, you know, outside of like a three-month stretch. Inconsistency, home runs, and uh, generally poor performance. And it's a shame. Um, it's really a shame because those are all really good pitchers. And Charlie did get hit on the elbow, which definitely, I imagine, screwed him up on a comebacker. After he got out of that first inning jam. But 
even if that didn't happen, I would imagine the Phillies were just going to steamroll us because they had Big Mo on their side, and Charlie's a terrible road pitcher. I mean, we lost. I don't. I don't care about the Charlie game. We our whole offense that game was three solo home runs. It was the game one. Freed not showing up is that's what really killed us. Yeah, that, that was where we lost home field advantage. Not taking advantage of Ranger Suarez loading the bases twice. Yeah, um, like leaving dozens, like over a dozen men on base. I mean, you got to look at the biggest disappointments in this series to me are Dansby Swanson, Austin Riley, and your boy Michael Harris. Yeah, all, all three terrible. of them were atrocious. Terrible. Uh, Eddie but, Rosario sucked. Azuna sucked as well. But those guys are guys we've relied upon all year. And Austin's been struggling since he signed that extension, honestly. Ever since he signed that big 10-year extension, he's been trash offensively. Um, not, right? that, not that he's out there sandbagging. But, no, uh, not at all. It's just he hasn't been good. And he admitted you know, things are wrong mechanically with his swing that he just couldn't figure out. Um, Michael Harris picked the worst time to go through the first slump of his career. But you know he's a rookie. We love Mike. Uh, he's going to be a fixture here for a while. And who was the third? And Dansby just, yeah, he was awful. Um, and, you know, you could look at it and say maybe Snicker in game three should have gone, you know, Acuna, Olsen, and uh, Darno as your top three because those are the only guys doing anything. But that's also kind of like, this is what got you here. Uh, you know, keep rolling with it, I guess. But also the playoffs is a, is a weird beast in the sense that you can't really play with the same rules as the regular season. Maybe Snickers should have changed it up. I still, still, even though I know William Contreras didn't do anything outside of like one hit in game one, it still boggles the mind why, you know, based off the whole season, you're going to give me Marcelo Zuna in more games over William Contreras in the lineup. I just think it's really dumb on paper, even even though I guess it didn't really make a huge difference in the general outcome of the series. But, I mean, it's, it really comes down to pitching sucked for the staff and the offense overall sucked outside of Acuna, Olsen, and Darnell. Shaky defense in game one. I think we not having Ozzy really hurt us there. A couple yeah. ground balls that went to Arcia that we think Ozzy probably gets to. That first ground ball off, uh, I can't remember if it was Harper or Real Muto. There were two outs, and it was the, the third batter hits it to Arcia. It's a tough play, but Ozzy makes that play. And it's just like, God. You know, and then that leads to two runs being scored eventually. Um, yeah, and the bullpen try as they they might, they, you know, it's 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 impossible, you know, when you just keep going down every game to like come back, be expected to come back, and you know, Phillies did it, man. I, I mean, the th- it's crazy that they were just playing like such trash going into the playoffs too. They weren't playing well, and then something happened once they had that miracle, um, uh, uh, um, ninth inning against St. Louis where they scored. Six runs in the ninth when they were down two nothing. Going against, oh, going up against Helsey in the wild card in the wild card round. Who's yeah. one of the best closers in baseball? That's when I knew some weird devil magic was brewing with them, and it put me, it put them on uh, my radar. But I was still like, we're fine. We'll we'll, we'll beat that. We beat the shit out of them all year. Even though we only won eleven to eight, it still feels like we had the advantage going into that. And you know, we, we did, and we didn't take advantage of it. It's fair. It's got similar vibes to what the Braves were before we won this championship, where, you know, that god awful chipperless last game, the wild card, which is the yeah. first year that thing has ever been in place. The one game series, like the year before, that wouldn't have happened. We would have had a five game series. Yeah. Whereas this year, the Phillies wouldn't have even been in the playoffs. No. You know, but they expanded the playoffs, and, and, this is and what that you get. just changed everything. And. You look at the 300-win teams, 
from this past year, Mets, Braves, Dodgers, all eliminated. Yeah. So, like, now you got to look at is not is playing that first weekend actually an advantage because your team's hot going into the next series? Well, it's interesting because there's really only like a day or two difference between what it was this year versus what it was last year in terms of the layoff for um, the top two seeds. So it's it's really not – I don't think it makes a huge difference. And this is just so weird too because it's like, you know, last year with the Braves, no one expected us to even beat Milwaukee, but we were hot going into the playoffs. Philly barely made it in. They, they limped into the play- playoffs, and then just everything just explodes. It's such a weird – that's a, what's the great thing about baseball playoffs is that anything can happen. It's not like the NBA where it's like, all right, you automatically know what the finals are going to be, but at least what the conference finals are going to be. It's like a formality. Baseball playoffs, anyone can get hot at any time and crazy shit happens. We've seen it for years. This is the craziest postseason I think I've ever seen in terms of top seeds just being absolutely destroyed. It certainly makes you feel better that the Mets lost and um, Dodgers the lost. Dodgers lost with Freddie striking out to end their season. Yeah, now I don't really like... I don't really hate anybody that's left. Like, I'm sure my hatred for the Phillies will grow. Um, like it used to be back in like the early uh, 2011 through or 2008 through 2012 or so. It will definitely grow. But, and, you know, normally when the Braves lose in the playoff game, like I hate who we lose to, even if we beat ourselves. But I'm, I'm mostly just upset with how we played to the point where like I can't really get mad at the other team. The other team took advantage of it. Yeah, I mean, it was just that game one, man. If we could have brought this thing back to Atlanta, yeah, be I fine. think we got a good, I mean, a good chance. I'm, maybe we wouldn't be fine because we don't know how Max Free was going to be. And that's the thing, too, just how crazy things can unravel. You know, Phillies lose a couple of guys in August, like Wheeler, and there was someone else they lost in August as well as, that was critical to their team. And I wish I could remember who it was. But they lost two critical pieces in August. They got back in around mid-September, and then they were fine. We lose Strider mid-September. He's screwed. Max Fried gets the flu late September. He's screwed. That's such Actually, a that dumb one. That's, that's like one I never thought would be that big of a deal. No, our rotation was so strong the entire season. You lose, o- you lose Ozzy again after he's back for one game. Yeah, and, and that also is, plays a huge, you know, a, a, a freaking huge role in it. And it's just, it's just so weird how things can turn on a dime like that when you've been so successful all year. Braves starters... Um, goes with a, a seven nine ERA with a two ninety eight opponent's average. Um, there's your story. Yep, was not our series. No, got steamrolled. Yep. So by the hot up and comers. Looking ahead to the off season, obviously Nancy Swanson's a big um, decision there. There's a big decision there. Terry McGurk's gone on record saying he wants to get the Braves into top five in payroll, which is good to hear. Um, so if that means we can be more active in free agency. I mean, you look at the roster. I mean, some of the things that really stood out to me was a lack of a quality left fielder for pretty much the entire season. Didn't have that. Got to rectify that. Can't be rolling out there with Robbie Grossman and Eddie Rosario and yeah, Marcelo I mean, Zuna. You kind of forget that Duvall got hurt and he did underperform early. Or Duvall even. Like, I need someone who's going to be there every day is going to be a, a legitimate contributor. Uh, my my wish list is Jacob Degrom, and that's it. Okay, so let's talk about Degrom. Injury prone. When he's right, he's the best pitcher in baseball. It's it's like objectively true. Um, but he's very injury prone. Like I don't know if I'm gonna really want to take the Mets route of giving out fifty million dollar contracts to aging, injury prone, but still maybe amazing pitchers. It's only like what thirty three, right? 
Yeah, but for him, he's probably feels like more like he's 38 considering the injury history. Um, I I mean, it would be great, right? On paper, you get DeGrom and all those guys can come back and they're healthy. Like another thing with Charlie, I know I've been shitting on him for a while, but he didn't really have a normal offseason rehab process after recovering from that broken leg or tibia or whatever it was. So having him have a real offseason and coming back, you know, like he still can pitch. Like he, I know he can still pitch. He really had a bad season on the road this year. Like from like June through August, he was really solid. Um, but yeah, you had DeGrom in the mix there with, with, with Wright, Freed, Strider, and DeGrom. And Morton's your five? I mean, Jesus Christ, look at that. I guess that's the kicker is there's really only one rotation spot open once again. Which is fine. <clears throat> and and you've got a couple guys battling for it. Like Elder. Like Elder, like Soroka, like Muller. I believe Soroka when I see him at this point. It's been three years. But he's battling for he's it. He's battling for it. You respect that, but he hasn't pitched. By the time the season starts, he will not pitch for three seasons. So, so maybe we can use that money. Or two seasons. Elsewhere. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, I'm looking at left field. Obviously, shortstop's a big freaking deal. You talk about Trey Turner also being a free agent. But Trey Turner doesn't give you the value defensively that Danzy does, even though I would say he's a much better offensive player. Yeah, I, I think if you're not going to pay the money for Dansby, you're not going to pay the money for Trey Turner. No. Yeah, Trey Turner, I mean, he's uh, worse defense, more money, uh, but not the same clubhouse presence that Dansby is. Right, so it's like, what are you really – paying for even though you are paying for a great offense um the thing is the Braves really weathered the storm when Freddie Freeman left in terms of performance and in terms of leadership and I think a big key to that you know Dansby did have a, one of his best seasons ever it probably is his best season ever was we, we were kept asking who's going to be the leader we talked about it could be Ozzy could be Dansby turned out to be Dansby was the uh, real leader of the clubhouse and people were just talking about you know, from Anthopolis to Snicker to guys in the actual players who just said up and down the board, Dansby's just, you know, he's the sheriff, he's the captain, he's the man. You know, we look to him for leadership. So can you take another emotional blow like that? Can the clubhouse take another emotional blow like that um, if Dansby leaves? I'm sure they can. They got a strong clubhouse uh, nucleus intact, but it would really suck, I think, um, for a multitude of reasons. You're not going to find any shortstop on the market that will replace his defense. You just will not. And with the shift being banned, defense up the middle is even going to be even more critical uh, in the 2023 season. And Grissom has shown that he's not ready to step into that role yet. It's not a big enough sample size. Yeah. You know, you that'd, throw, be, that'd be a huge risk to just put all that pressure on us. Then you're kind of doing another, you're kind of doing what happened to Dansby at the game of his career to a degree. Yeah. I mean, you got Shoemake, I think, is a big time prospect, shortstop. Yeah. Um, but. Prospect, so yeah, it's it's always dangerous to put a a rookie at shortstop with limited uh, experience, unless you get someone who's a freak of nature like what we did with Andrelton Simmons, you know, where you know he's just like a world class defender automatically, and it's not really going to affect him that much coming up to the major leagues. But we don't have enough tape on Grissom, we don't have enough uh, tape on Shoemaker. You know, it's like these guys are not world-class defenders that are like once-in-a-generation kind of type of players from a defensive standpoint. We don't we don't have that. You can't just roll into the season with, all right, rookie shortstop or guy who's played in 25 games who've never played a freaking play at shortstop in the entirety of the 2022 season. Go captain the infield for us. That would just be a bad move. Yep. So <clears throat> some holes to fill. You know, Anthopolis is going to take whatever we've learned from this season. 
and add to it, you know, there's the question of the closer already. Do you just go with Iglesias? I think you need to add more arms. I agree. Um, even though you hope that you have a stronger Kirby Yates coming back. You still don't know. Um, there's been a lot of chatter about Braves giving Kimbrel a like small deal, not to be a closer, but you know, just to kind no. of a one year prove me. Well, you know, it's weird. Like he's, I feel like he needs to come home. The last five or six years, he he has this sort of up and down spurts, you know, where it's like he was terrible under the Cubs, and then he went to the White Sox and he was better, and then he goes to the Dodgers and was really mediocre. I thought, you know, I, I'd say he probably still has some gas in the tank, but he's thrown a lot of innings. But yeah, if you give him a small deal and put him in a role that's not the closer role, I mean, take a flyer on him. Like this is probably the only time you're ever going to realistically get a reunion with Craig Kimbrell. Yeah, I don't I mean maybe Jansen wants to come back for cheaper. Uh, probably not. I mean, he still had a really good. He still saved over forty games. He's not going to be like, oh yeah, I'll come back for five million. That ain't happening. Yeah, who knows? I did not think we'd be talking Braves off season, but here we are. Yeah, and then left field. What do you do there? That's the whole. You know, that's another discussion. You try to go get Jock Peterson. Um, if you can bring Jock back, which I feel like, what? Well, why do you want to go toil in San Francisco? Yeah, no. Exactly. He had a great thing in Atlanta. Yeah. Let's get the Jock Adam Duvall platoon going again. It still sucks to just do a platoon. Like, it would be great to just find a good corner outfielder. Sure. I know they don't grow in trees, but yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be averse to bringing Jock back. Um, what do you do with Ozuna? I would honestly just DFA him. We can absorb that hit at this point. It's time. Yeah. He, he just sucks. Like, he had a good September. That's about it. We need we need more flexibility. Yeah, he provides no value, and and then you know the other question is what do you do at catcher. I'm a big fan of saying Pena and Darno your catchers, Darn, and then Contreras is your everyday designated hitter, and then can catch occasionally keep his skills sharp. You're very high on Contreras. He had a great I, season. I I think he was up and down a little bit. Look at how he closed the season out. I don't think he was that he good did, recently. He, he never got enough playing time. Like, it's hard to get in a rhythm when you're playing, like, two or three times a, a week, if that. Like, there was a period of September where we only had, like, 25 at-bats, which is just dumb, I think, on Snickers' part. I mean, I, I, like, he is our future full-time catcher. You don't want to make him a full-time DH. So, like I mean, he, for the he, season, he slashed 278, 354, 506 with an 860 OPS with 20 home runs and only 334 at-bats. You add 200 more at-bats there, he's, he's hitting close. He's hitting 35, 36 home runs, if not more. How many homers did... Ozuna hit and how many at bats? He hit like twenty three and a lot more. I'll look it up, but I doubt it was and, a lot more. At and bat. and to say that he struggled down the stretch, you're I'm wrong, hundred percent wrong. Two nine in September, two ninety five, three seventy five, four seventy five slash line, eight fifty OPS splits versus lefty versus righty. Three fifty four against left handers, two forty seven against uh, right okay. with more home runs against right handers, fifteen to five. But he, I mean, he had. A great season, and he was hot down the stretch. He just didn't. He never got enough at bats. Just tra- trade Pena. Trade Pena. Yeah. You, you need it. Well, Contreras your, to continue catching. Who's your DH? Contreras or Darno? So you just swap it. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I have no issue with that. Let's look up Marcelo Zuna just for fun because this is such an awful season. All right. Even though he did have a good September, he had a better September than uh, than uh, Contreras three ten three seventy five twenty four eight ninety three OPS uh, with uh, a couple of homers, 
What did you want to know? He had 470 at bats and only 2,300 runs compared. 473, to, got it. Yeah, compared to 334 and 20 for Contreras. Okay. So, and at a horrible slash line again: 226, 274, 413. He hit 170 in August and 195 in July. Not great. You got to get rid of him. Eat the money. We can afford it. We we can. We, we still can have two it. more years of that. Deal? Yeah, we can afford it. Yeah, you just got to eat it. Everybody's still going to go to the battery. Braves fans are still in love with this team despite the, the shortcomings this year. You can afford to eat that and still be active on the free agency market. We don't have to worry about the days of Turner Field anymore where it was like, oh, we've got to be really careful about who we get for free agency. It's like, no, let's let's really open the floodgates here. Like, we can afford this. You want to be a top five payroll? Go be a top five payroll. Don't just say you're going to do it. Well, they're already like eight, I think. Yeah, they're eight, but get in the top five. But you don't do that by spending poorly. Don't do it arbitrarily. Yes. Be smart about it. But I'm just saying there should be no restriction, really, on what you can do, considering over 3 million fans came to Truist Park, and God knows how many liquor drinks and beers were consumed at the battery and in the stadium. You can't do that. And there are like, what, 40 sellouts or something? Like, come on. No. Blow it up, man. Got to keep the momentum going. Yeah. Um, let's talk some good news, Graham. Let's talk some good news, Adam. Let's talk about your Atlanta Falcons with an unbelievable... 28-14 victory over San Francisco 49ers. Who saw that coming? I did. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to beat them by 10, I think you said last week, and beat them by more. Uh, now, now you can really look at that schedule. We did that, I can't remember if that was last week or a couple times ago. Well, there, was, there's a lot of wins out there right now. Well, you know what's funny, Adam? I was listening to a lot of our episodes, um, the booster number. No, I was listening to a lot of episodes because of the bet we made. The Falcons... Was it actually three games or, or more than three games? It is more than three games. So I still haven't lost the bet to you. But one thing that was funny was listening to us talk about the schedule and you just going, oh, man, our schedule's tough. And I was like, oh, yeah, our schedule's tough and all that stuff. But we were playing teams hard, man, and it doesn't really matter. Like, we got the, the Bengals coming up, which will be a tough game. But, you know, there's a lot. Of, like, after that, trash. Well, things you have, have- you have one, two, you have five straight weeks of trash. Panthers, Chargers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders. You have a, and the Steelers aren't good either. So six weeks of trash. You have a chance. Like, even if you lose the Bengals, you could go four and two over your next six games, if not more. Like, the Falcons legitimately actually have a shot if they keep playing the way they're playing right now. Well, things have changed as far as like what the expectations were for a lot of these teams going into it. Like, honestly, our win at Seattle looks so impressive now. Yeah, Seattle's playing Seattle's been playing good ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, things have 100% changed to where in, I saw today where we now have the easiest schedule out of all the NFL teams that we have left. No. I mean, the Saints... We like, have the number one easiest schedule. Yeah, because... Yeah. Saints suck. It's seven... Actually, you know, Adam, it's seven straight weeks of trash. Panthers, Chargers, Panthers, Bears, Commanders, Steelers, Saints. Seven straight weeks of trash after the Bengals game. Yeah. That's... You have a chance. So th- this is where we see the difference because, like, you know, in years past... We would lose a lot of games that we should win. So I feel like so far we've been winning some of these games that everyone thinks we're going to lose. So now we have to prove that, you know, when we are favored, we can actually win these ball games as well. Right. Right. And all, all these teams are like teams that we've we've gone like our style of football is obviously ground and pound. Yeah. Be super efficient and cautious in the passing game. Yeah. And uh, you know, defense bend but don't break. Get timely turnovers. Right. That's that's what we do. That's it. That that is what Arthur Smith has melded. It's like he's bringing in players that are more his personnel now. Whereas last year he was working 
not with his people. This is a little closer to his style of football he wants to play. Yeah. Um, and we've gone up against some really good run defenses in the Browns and the 49ers. The Saints. And the Saints. And our style has held up against them. In Tampa Bay, too. And now we're going up against, like, the Bengals have a really bad uh, rushing defense. Carolina's god-awful. Uh, you know, I don't know. We could get in trouble down the line when we, like, if you face, like, a Patrick Mahomes or, like, one one of these more... Lamar Jackson people. will definitely give us fits. Right. But the Ravens, that's not as scary of a game as it would have no. been either. They're a bunch you know? of choke artists. They can't finish. Like, yeah. the Ravens should be undefeated, but they choke away, like, every game they get a big lead in, it seems like. So this is all of a sudden, Graham, very interesting. And thank you to the Falcons. Like, imagine if we were... 0-6 right now. Right, like everyone thought we'd be. After, after the Falcons, after the Braves just busted out. Yeah. And then we're like, well, at least the Hawks season's starting. No, we have something real to watch here. Uh, national media starting to get on board. People see, like, this is a this is a real viable football team. And, yeah, like, all the credit needs to start going to Arthur Smith, to Terry Fontenot. Like, they've built – he's building a real, a real brand here. Yeah, it's a culture. I mean, it was, you know – um, and that word is overused, but there is a sense of identity. There's a sense of culture in this team, and it's really being established the last four weeks or so. And I love seeing Arthur Smith take up the offensive line to the club section and drinking beers with fans. That was the coolest yeah, thing. Yeah, how cool is that? Yeah, apparently the offensive lineman had the idea, and he said, all right, if you want to do that, uh, we got to get over 100 yards on the ground. We have to win. It happened, and he held up his end of the bargain, and those guys were drinking beers, man. I was trying to see – I, th- I feel like that's the club seats on the field level. That's where they were at. I think so. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, that that is very cool. He's like, if I get fined for it, we'll see. But I ran it up the ladder. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, like Arthur Smith, he is an ex-offensive lineman. So he, he respects he respects those guys. Yeah. And I, I think this offensive line, and I'm glad, glad you brought this up, Graham. Yeah, Graham, this offensive line that, you know, a lot of people – some people in this room as well thought would be one of the worst in the league. Absolutely. <laughs> Here, here's what we got so far. This is according to uh, PFF. You know, everyone takes PFF as right. the uh, the greatest ranking system in the world. Pro football focus. Yes. Co-owned by Chris Collinsworth. I didn't know that. Uh, here's what we have uh, for each spot on the line. Uh, Jake Matthews is the number eight left tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wilkinson is the number seven left guard. Holy shit. Uh, Dahlman, number 24 center. Uh, Lindstrom, the number one right guard. Lindstrom's a beast. Good good on Thomas Dimitros and his scouts for finding him. I'll, I'll give him credit there. And McGarry, the number 10 right tackle. And good for McGarry, man. Yeah. Like, that's big. So he, he's proven it. So, I mean, yeah. uh, above average in four of the five spots, elite in one, and below average in the fifth, that checks out. Yeah, it absolutely checks out. And that, that equates to, you know, 168 yards on the ground uh, against – a really stout, albeit banged up, San Francisco defense on Sunday. Um, and another thing that was really key to that victory was was Mariota. That was the best game he had, he had had all season. The Falcons were uh, dead last in the NFL in yards per, per pass, or yards per game through the air. It was like 166.7 or something, was which was the lowest in the NFL in 10 seasons. And, you know, that sucks. And then he was like second worst – um, at being off target on his throws. 
But he figured something out, man. He figured something out. He still wasn't throwing a lot, but he only had one incompletion, 13 of 14 for 129 and two touchdowns. That is it, as efficient as it gets. And he also added 50 yards on the ground with another touchdown. So three touchdowns attributed to Marcus Mariota. Um, and he was doing it all, and he was just efficient as hell. It reminded me of one of those classic Michael Vick games where he throws for like 130 y- or yards, but you know, rushes for a lot and also scores. It was like, uh, and you know what? Credit to him because he had struggled all year with, with, with so many facets of his game. The turnovers have stopped. Um, and I'm not going to go crazy because it's like we still need to see this more consistently. But what, something that has been happening in the last couple of weeks is he's not turned the ball over as much. And now that we've got the efficiency going, um, hopefully, maybe not sky's the limit, but hopefully, you know, if he keeps playing like this, it'll become a lot harder to beat the Falcons. Um, it's going to be much more difficult because it's basically turning a detriment into a strength if he can continue this level of play. And that is so huge, especially for a team that is running the ball a lot, you know, just all the time. Like this is the most, I think we've run all year, 40 attempts. I think last week was like 32. The week before was 35, 40 attempts on the ground. I mean, you, and then for him to be able to also run the ball is massive, is absolutely massive. So, Here's hoping that Mariota keeps this up. I'm, I'm not ready to be like, oh, God, all is forgiven, but great, great performance on Sunday. Uh, two points, takeaways from your little ramble there. Yeah. Uh, one, rambling. yeah, you got to think with Mariota, a guy who hasn't like played full time in two years, confidence was kind of broken from getting benched after being a number two overall pick. And then being a backup in Oakland or Las Vegas for a couple yeah. of years. So, yeah, he was a little shaky, like trying to get things back. So <clears throat> maybe he's figured it out. Like it, he is very grateful to be in Atlanta. And, it give, I mean, he is putting up better numbers than guys like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's terrible. Guys like Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is also terrible this year. <clears throat> it's fantastic. I love it. And we're paying him like $4 million this year. Yeah. Oh, and then other takeaway there. The running game, you got to keep in mind, we're doing this with our third and fourth string running backs right now as well in Caleb Huntley and Tyler Allegier. It's like literally a plug-and-play system right now. Yeah. And when we get Cordarrelle back, we still haven't seen Damian Williams. I think he's closer to coming back. It's uh, very intriguing. Yeah, I, I cannot – I, I was saying this a couple weeks ago, but I, I, I just absolutely love the way they utilize those backs. And they're getting like equal – time to no neither one of them is being overused so they'll continue to be fresh they're getting 15 16 carries a game sometimes 10 um you know they're they're gonna be fresh and they're 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 being productive they're not like outstanding backs but they are they are just doing the dirty work down there um they're they're doing a great job and uh kyle pitts got his first touchdown on american soil thank god finally a lot of people are excited about that yeah like when he scored i was like i never thought i'd see this day I was sitting there hungover as shit, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Uh, what was that? Like our third string tight end that we just brought in this week, uh, Michael. Oh, Michael Pruitt. Yeah. Michael Pruitt. He had a he, great catch. He's, he, I mean, he, he's a blocking tight end, and that's yeah. what we're, like, obviously this team, PFF also ranks Pruitt as like 80-grade blocking tight end. So really? he's going to stick around. And oh, yeah. Uh, the, the big injury news was losing Casey Hayward, which is a blow. Is that the season-long IR? No, oh. four weeks. Okay. Well, so good. we don't have all the details on that yet, uh, but Michael Pruitt was like officially called up to replace Hayward, so he's going to stick around. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was so impressive last week. At the end of that game, 
where we lose Hayward and then we lose Isaiah Oliver who had just returned and uh, Darren Hall, D Alford. Yeah. It was like the last cornerbacks on our team. Right. Step in and they make huge plays. Yeah. Exactly right. D Alford comes in with two big pass breakups. I think they both happened in the second half. And then Darren Hall, and we saw it all preseason, man. That level of play just continues to uh, to occur in the regular season. Good for him. Good for both those guys. They've been they've been huge, and they're going to step up even more in the absence of Casey Hayward. Yeah, and all, all reports are that uh, Darren Hall will be the guy who will uh, be the starter on the other side of Terrell, who apparently is fine after he missed the entire second half of this, that game as well. I'm glad he's going to be okay. Although. He still hasn't been great as great as he usually is this year. He's still, you know, more than a viable asset out there. Um, one thing that was upsetting is Grady Jarrett got another sack taken away from him. I can't. I think that was in the first half. Um, got to Garoppolo, and then there was some holding penalty or something on the Falcons. And I was like, damn it, Grady should have two more sacks than he actually does. Falcons once again finished the game with no sacks. Never got any more pressure on the quarterback. They're still not doing that very well. And I think that's more on the edge rushers than it is on the interior linemen. And, you know, generally edge rushers are going to get more sacks than your than your interior linemen. But it feels like every time we do get a sack, Grady or Taquan Graham is involved and not your edge guys for the most part. Um, so I don't know what needs to be done to improve that or if it can be improved at this point. But uh, I'd like to see something. It's kind of getting old, you know, being like, man, we just get no pressure on the quarterback at all. Your boy Ebiketti's getting close. He apparently has the third highest pressure rate amongst all rookies. That's good. Um, he did get he got the most quarterback hits. He got two quarterback hits on uh, on Sunday. So so he, he's he's getting there, and like he he looks like a beast. So yeah, I think he's gonna be a good. He's player. young, you yeah. know. I mean, that's the thing with these guys. It's like Darren Hall who he was our fourth-round pick last year, and he didn't really play at all until the end of the year where he started to progress a lot, and now he looks ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Arthur Smith knows how to coach these guys up and develop them, and like it appears like they're drafting well, it's an exciting time to be a Falcons fan. Yeah. After just years and years of mediocrity. Five years of trash. Yeah. Uh, Troy Anderson had a big game, led the team in tackles, made a couple of really nice, uh, really nice plays out there. Um, and, Which is great to see because everyone was like, this guy's going to be a bust. Right. And so far he hasn't been. And this was, you know, in the absence of uh, Michael Walker, too. So good shit. You know who's not playing? Who's that? N'Kobe Dean. He's not? No. What, what team did he go to again? The Eagles. I guess they don't need him. Yeah. yeah. Or, or he's not ready. Or he's not ready. Yeah. So, so everyone, pipe, you, you Georgia fans out there, pipe down. <laughs> It's decided. It's over. Troy yeah. Anderson, we declare on this day uh, recording, Tuesday, October 18th, Troy Anderson is better than Nicobe Dean. All right. A yes. thousand percent. We both agree. Both agree. You know, there's no way they can ever change. I mean, did you see him chase down that the almost punt return for a touchdown? Yes. That was impressive. That was impressive. That shows the, the speed and uh, his versatility. Like that guy was sure. gone. Yeah. No, it should have been a touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Ray Ray McLeod, ex Clemson Tiger, who was about to return that until the Montana State linebacker comes out of nowhere. Right, and two, and two picks by the Falcons as well. Um, you know, once again, defense is being opportunistic. So, really like where this is heading. This is um, really exceeding my expectations, and I am about a thousand percent sure you're going to win your bet. 
if not next week, then the week after. And just terrible bet on your part, Kyle. I just thought we were going to suck. Like, no, nothing nothing we did in the offseason made me be like, okay, this is really going to start uh, turning around. And, you know, to be fair, there's still a long, long season to go. Uh, I'm not going to get too high on this team yet. But it was an impressive victory. It was an impressive victory against a team that is battle-tested, playoff-tested, been in the NFC Championship, I think, two years in a row or something like that, you know. Despite their deficiencies, which they have a lot of, they're they're good. They're good, and uh, we took care of them. That was so. I mean, it felt so Shanahan esque the way when they were down two scores and they had like that eight minute drive where they were just dinking and dunking and yeah. still running the ball, not conserving any clock, and then they don't even score after all that. That I mean, that was sweet. That was classic Shanahan, and it it, it didn't feel like we were gonna blow it, you know. Normally, I feel like we'd be freaking out. We're about to blow this game, and just never happened. Yeah, with our, with our running, I felt confident. Yeah, with our running game, like I'm, I'm not concerned with it. Um, we also, you know, dominated time of possession, thirty three minutes to twenty six. So, just goes to show what a good running game can do. Good running game, opportunistic defense, and if the quarterback plays consistently, if Mariota plays consistently, um, everybody should watch out for these, these this little engine that could Falcons team. Yeah, I mean, you, it, it's certainly going to shut up the Ritter people that want Ritter in. At least for a week. Yeah, I mean, maybe eventually you – if they think Ritter can be better than Mariota, like now, maybe a change could happen down the road. I but just don't think you can make that. If we're winning, now. it's not going to happen. Well, you know? one, you're winning, but also, two, he just has his best game of the year. So you can't just be like, oh, yeah, not all now. right, you score th- yeah. three touchdowns, Marcus. Take a seat on the bench, you fuck. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we get a blowout one way or the other – he might see some action. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, the Bucks are not great right now. No. And we're, we're right behind them. We're, we should be 6-0. and You very well could be 6-0. and That's <laughs> yeah. the crazy thing is all the games we lost, we could have definitely won. Um, that Saints loss is looking so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think the Falcons are still trying to figure out their identity. Like, they didn't really start doing this power running game until, like, three games into the... It's been the last three weeks. It's just been run, 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 run. Yeah. So... So happy for Huntley, too. Like, that's a guy we've we've liked him in preseason, but he's never really gotten a shot in season at all. Now he's, like, pivotal to the offense. It's just, like, the opposite of, like, the Matt Ryan offenses where we'd have to ask him to throw it 35, 40 times a game. Yeah, and poor Bastard's still doing that in... Indianapolis. Yeah, got I mean, it done. Threw, got yeah. it done last week. <laughs> he threw 49 passes or something. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. That's tough, man. Yeah. He's like, I thought this shit was over. I was supposed to have Jonathan Taylor. Yeah. No turnovers for the Falcons either. That was a very, very clean game played by uh, the boys. And also, I love the uh, throwback jerseys. I wish we'd just keep those things because our, our jerseys now are ugly. Normal jerseys. I heard that we are... So, we've brought those back. I think it was like 2007, the first time we brought those back. We've played nine games in them, and we're eight and one. You got to keep rolling that out, then. Yeah, I mean, I'm not superstitious, but it's also one. Let's get some good juju, and two, they just look a hell of a lot better. And we're winning at home now, Graham. And there's people showing up to the games. People are still showing up to the games. And I heard there are a lot more 49ers, a lot of 49ers fans, fans this but... week. I mean, they're a legacy franchise and all that bullshit. So you know that that happens, but it's definitely a much better home field than than probably ever in the history of that stadium. If we keep winning, they're, it's going to get a, a lot louder. We might there. even get Adam Kowal down to the stadium. I was looking at tickets today. Yeah, yeah. So exciting times for the Falcons. All right, that's going to cover the Falcons for this week. We'll take a quick break and then preview the 2022-2023 
Atlanta Hawks season. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high, and the tension is higher. Your pulse. Boom, 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 boom. Racing. He kicks and he watches the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. And there are unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. All right, I told you guys this three weeks. If you listen to me, then you're in the money. Falcons are once again six-and-a-half-point underdogs to Cincinnati this weekend, as of today at least. Make your bet now. The Falcons are the only team in the NFL that have covered the spread every single week. I don't see that changing. Would I steer you wrong? Not intentionally. Take the Falcons with the six and a half points this Sunday. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. So here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets. If your team wins, just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Adam, we're back. Talk about some Hawks. Hawks season starts tomorrow. Crazy, man. Which is today if you're listening to this podcast on October 19th. And some big stuff happened, um, you know, before the season started. Came down to the wire, but DeAndre Hunter gets a big extension for your Atlanta Hawks, a four-year, ninety-five million dollar contract extension that keeps him out of restricted free agency. Um, yeah, that's probably my reaction to it. DeAndre hasn't stayed healthy. He had a really underperforming season last year even though he had some couple of brilliant flashes here and there especially and one of at least one of the games and against the heat can't remember that playoff series was so bad um but he is actually fully healthy entering this season so hopefully he becomes a player we all know he can be and has been at times in the past uh we definitely need his um can be elite defense and his solid offensive production the question is are we going to get it and i don't know I don't know. It's just such a – it's sort of a damned if you do, damned if you don't. You don't do it, who the hell are you replace him with? Jack shit because you don't got Kevin Herter anymore. You do do it, you might just get more middling production. So it's well, kind of like, I don't, I don't know. You you would replace him with Jalen Johnson. Yeah. yeah, which is another kind of like – But I'd like to have both those guys. Sure, sure. It makes your roster deeper. Um, and who knows how DeJounte Murray is really going to change the way the Hawks play. If there was ever a season – to be really fascinated by what the Hawks are going to do. I think it's this one more so than last year. Last year, everyone, ourselves included, and the organization was on cloud nine after that miracle one, miracle run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we just ran it back, right? We didn't make any adjustments. We didn't think about what wasn't working. And we were all for it. I mean, no one's going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, you know, like a bunch of freaking idiots. I mean, you can say that in hindsight, but at the time, everyone thought that was the right thing to do. But... You probably should never do that. You should always probably try to be adjusting things and tweaking things to make things better. You can always improve. 
And uh, the Hawks got really serious and went out and got Murray. You know, triple-double threat from, from San Antonio. And now it's like, how does that change the team? How does that change the team dynamic? Can Trey play off the ball a little bit? Or, you know, is just having Murray going to open up so many things, not just for Trey, but everyone else on the floor? We, I just have no idea how it's going to work, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. You know, overall, this roster looks a lot different this year. Uh, I'd like to just run through it with you if please, that's okay, please Graham. Please do. So, you don't want to run through all the whole 82-game season? No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going top to bottom here, al- alphabetical order. Okay. Uh, we got Bogey, who is still hurt. so He's, he's still not healthy? No, so he, he's not going to be starting at the beginning of this year. Great. Uh, Clint Capella is back. Everyone's saying he's looking lean. Maybe ready, he could shoot a free throw. That would be nice. Go, that would be nice. Yeah. Uh, John Collins, surprisingly enough, is still here. I'm so glad we kept him. Yeah, me too. I think that would be a mistake. Yeah. Uh, Jarrett Culver, Trent Forrest, those are just guys. Um, AJ Griffin, our 19-year-old rookie out of Duke. Yeah. yeah. Probably not going to play much, but great, great shooter. Uh, the fans want him in. And then the Holidays, Aaron and Justin Holiday. This was the Kevin Herter trade to the pieces we got back. Um, should improve our defense a lot. It and, and they can both yeah. shoot. Yeah, it should be interesting to see how those guys fit in. Um, and particularly on the defensive side, you know, that was one of the big things that we bitched about all season last year was just like the inability for the Hawks to even want to try to play defense, it appeared. So now you're getting two guys who aren't like world-renowned defenders or anything like that, but are probably better than what you were running out uh, last year in terms of guys that were in the same position that they will be this season. So hopefully defense will improve uh, from their standpoint. Yeah, and like, one of them will be the backup point guard, I would assume. Uh, yeah, well, I th- yeah, Aaron Holiday, either uh, point guard or shooting guard. Yeah. Um, Justin Holiday, I think he's going to be the first guy off the bench a lot of nights. Mm. Um, and he is more of a grizzled veteran, that 33-year-old dog we've been looking for, yeah. maybe. Kind of like us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, then DeAndre Hunter, he's got a lot to prove this year now, especially with this contract. Uh, Jalen Johnson, uh, he's going to get play this year. Yeah, I like the way he plays. We'll see. You know, he's going to have an, a, probably a more. Um, yeah, I like the way he plays. I think he's going to have a more expanded role this season, considering where the roster's at. And they're letting him distribute the ball a lot more mm. from what we've seen early in preseason. And uh, Nate McMillan's like, "Hey, your number one thing be a rebounder," and which he's like, you know, the guy wants to be on the court. I think being in the G League for a year was be- very beneficial. Kind of like a minor league type thing, but yeah. he, we got to let this guy run this year. I still think he was a steal to get him where we did in the draft. Uh, Frank Kaminsky, he was the old Wisconsin guy. Frank Kaminsky's on the team. Yeah, so he, I mean, pure backup center at this point. You can't expect much, right? And really third string. Like you want Capella and Okongwu. Oh, I forgot about big double O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Healthy. Yeah. You, so yeah, this guy's a, a last resort kind of thing. If one of those guys are hurt, he's going to get more action. But if they're not, he should, probably won't be playing that much. Uh, two guys I know nothing about. Vit Kritschke. Never heard of him. Tyrese Martin. I feel like I've heard of him, but... Don't know much about him. And then, of course, DeJounte Murray, Okongwu, and Trey Young. So that is the big thing. Are Trey Young and Murray going to instantly know how to play off each other? Right. I don't know. Probably like, not. There were some games in preseason where they were both doing their ISO Joe thing. Yeah. Trey Young come down. Dribble around for a while, shoot. Murray doing the same thing. So Trey's got to learn to play off ball. And uh, all reports are that he's supposed to be really good at this. He used to do it in college all the time. Hasn't had the opportunity in Atlanta. Could be an absolute game changer. 
Um, I hope he's and Murray plays great defense. He does. So that, that's the kicker. Really Murray and the Holidays and Jalen Johnson should pick up our defense. Yeah. Uh, Hunter with you know with Capella like. There's some good defenders the out there. That'd be better. Once Bogey comes back for the offense, like it's right. on paper, should be a stronger team. It should be, and uh, we should be able to do a lot more. Obviously, the Heat just in the playoffs last year just completely exposed us for how one-dimensional we were. So hopefully, this um, got to make changes, and the Schlenk did. Yeah, I want to be excited to see how good Dejounte Murray is, uh, particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Um, everybody knows. You know, he's, or if you don't know, I mean, he, he damn near averaged a triple double last year. It was like 21, 10, and like eight or nine. So, I mean, th- th- this guy's the real deal offensively. I haven't really watched a lot of Spurs games um, since they haven't been good. So, I don't know much more about him than I, than just highlights and just looking at box scores and things like that. But if he is as good a defender as everyone says he is, and if he can be uh, another leader with Trey and really set the tone defensively. And help that 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 just god awful backcourt defense we've had ever since Trey has been here. It could really change things for the Hawks. It could really change things for the Hawks. Everybody loves is thinking about the big plays because he got you know two superstar caliber players now. I'm thinking more about how he's going to transform the Hawks defensively. What is that going to look like? Is he as good as he says he is? Um, not that he says he is, but that people say he is. Um, I I'm very excited about that aspect of it. It's pretty wild. We, we've gone from. Not having a superstar since like Dominique to two superstars, which is what you have to do in the NBA these days to win anything. Even have a chance in hell to win something. And um, I think our depth is pretty damn good right now. Mm-hmm. And Kaminsky's not like the worst player in the world. He's just not someone you want getting like a shit ton of minutes. But he has to play, you know, five, ten minutes a night. That's not the end of the world. And he can, as a center, he can spread the floor. He can still shoot. He can still shoot the three. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, an intriguing pickup. Yeah. I'm, you know, I think DeAndre Hunter will be a huge X factor too. Um, now that he is, like I mentioned, a healthy off season, can he be the player that we've that 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 we've seen flashes of? Can well, one, can he stay healthy? And then if he can, can he be the guy that we want him to be? Like I think a lot of it, a lot of this season is going to come down to. We know what we're getting from Trey at this point. Trey is like he is what he is: a horrible defender, you know, great passer. Solid three-point shooter. You know, great offensive creator overall, right? It can drive to the paint with the best of them. We know what we're getting from Trey. What are we really going to get from... And we know what we're going to get from John Collins. Even though I'd like to see him used more in the offense, I just don't see um, McMillan, you know, changing things, especially with uh, DeJounte Murray here. Now, you think Collins' usage rate was low last year. It's probably going to be even lower this year with uh, another guy who's going to command the ball as much as Murray. But... Murray and Hunter are the big factors. If they if they're as good as advertised, at least if Murray is, but if but I think I really think DeAndre Hunter is going to be the X factor. If he is the guy that we think he can be, this team I'm not going to say they're going to be champions or anything, but they could have a chance to be legitimate contenders. If he isn't, then trash. We could be just another trash, average, mediocre team. I think. You think it's all on DeAndre? I think there's so much talent there that we can afford for him to not be that superstar. And like, I, I feel like the the re-signing of him, like it's less money than DeAndre Hunter wanted. Like his team was looking for what eight digits. Yeah, he doesn't deserve that. He no. doesn't even deserve what he's getting now. Honestly, but, but if he has a great year this year, and like so many people want a guy with his body type, 
three and D type yeah, that skill set dog. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it could be a bargain for us, or it could be a terrible deal. Yeah. So if if it doesn't work out with him, it's going to hurt us next year. But I think we can win without this him. year without him. Yeah, maybe. I just think he's you know a guy that we expect to be a starter, expect to be like a, an above average, above average, a great player. And if he can be that. You're just going to go so much further, I think. Yeah, you can still have a good season, but you could have a great season, I think, if DeAndre Hunter is is has a great year himself. Um, Nate McMillan is the other thing I want to touch on briefly here. We saw how he lost Trey Young during that um, that Heat playoff series. We saw how his refusal to call timeouts, um, not knowing how big of a, a run the Heat was going on, whether it was Game Four uh, or Five when they went like a 22-0 run. His inability to make adjustments, um, the poor defense. Uh, it seemed to just like lose the guys last year. Now that you're bringing in another superstar player, I mean, I was done with McMillan after last year. I don't have a lot of faith in him based off what happened last season. I don't think – I feel like he's lost He lost that locker room. Is he going to be able to get it back and then also be able to deal with, you know, another high-profile player into John J. Murray? Let's make or break for McMillan now. Like yeah. with this roster, like you got to win. You got to you got to at least go a couple rounds in the playoffs. I think it's great that he got. He, I can't remember if he got ejected or just a technical from a preseason game, but that is very rare for him in a regular season game. So, could, so that's a good sign. Well, it could be a good sign, but it could also be a bad sign because if like it like it depends on the context, right? If it's a thing where he's trying to motivate his players, good. Um, it's a thing where he's lost his players, you know, and he's just upset and he just throws a, a, a pissant, petulant rant or whatever, then that's not good. Mm. So it's just, I don't know what the, I haven't seen a lick of preseason action. Um, so I can't say, but it's like his commander of the locker room is going to be really important as well. Cause we've seen this Hawks team, like the same thing happened with, uh, who was the coach that preceded McMillan, who everybody Hated Lloyd Pierce. Lloyd Pierce. You know, I feel like the same thing was starting to happen with McMillan down the stretch last year. That you know, that happened to Lloyd Pierce. So, it, you're exactly right, though. It is make or break for him. If the Hawks don't have a successful season and they can measure success whatever merit they want, but to me, it's winning at least a playoff round, if not two. Then he he should be, you know, he should be removed. Yeah, you gotta. I wouldn't go as far as say Eastern Conference Finals, but maybe that would be ideal. Um It'll be hard, but that would be ideal. And now that you get two superstars, like you said, that's kind of what you need. And three is is, is sort of the the holy the holy number, but but two can you can still do a lot with that. And we got, I mean, not super, but Hunter could be a star. You know, Collins John, is a star. John Collins is a very good player, great player. Um, Capella's, you know, rebounding champion of the world. I really like the as much as I love Kevin Harder, I like these Holiday boys. It's like a nice change up. Yeah, because Herder like the defense was just wasn't there. No, and it's just like another, and he was ice cold in the playoffs. He was, and you know another thing I like about this move is like it's it's all these moves that have happened in the offseason with with the holidays and Jajante is that you know Schlenk is like holy shit our defense is horrible. We had so many players who are very similar. Bogey and Herder are like the same guy almost. You only need one of them. Oh yeah, Gallinari's gone. Now. And Gallinari was another guy who was a trash defender. Loved you know his turnaround jumper and when he did get hot from three. But he was just another guy that, once again, was a shooter, a pure shooter. Yeah. Be it from mid range or, or or from beyond the arc. So you gotta, you can't just go totally one side with roster construction and expect to win in the NBA. Even though the NBA is a totally offensive league, you still gotta be able to stop people to a degree to win. 
and we couldn't do that last year. Here, here. Yeah. So expectations for the Hawks this year. Very high, Graham. Very high. Very high. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, I like obviously there's that play-in tournament this year. I don't want to be involved in that. No, that was annoying. So top four seed. Top four seed. I think we are in – I would say we get a top six. Um, I still got a – just too many question marks for me. With McMillan, how does DeJounte Murray fit in? And then what is DeAndre Hunter's uh, ceiling and can he stay healthy? Those are the three things that give me pause about this this team right now. But I think on paper they should get a top six seed. What they do with it, we'll have to see. Good news is our schedule starts off pretty light. Um, we got the Rockets. Orlando, Charlotte, Detroit twice. Lick your lips, boy. So, and then Milwaukee and Toronto. Okay. So it gets tougher there. But, like, if you could start 4-1, and kind of get some momentum going. That would be nice. One thing I'm not going to do with this team is overreact, regardless of how it goes. If we suck or we start off hot, I'm not going to get too high or too low. The NBA season is such a grind. Um and things can change. We see, we, we saw how things can change. Remember, the Hawks started last year out beating the shit out of the Mavericks, and it was like, oh my god, that momentum from the prior season, where we you know barely lost to Milwaukee in the Eastern Conference Finals, just carry right on over. And then we saw how the season ended. Um, so much can happen in that short, well, that long time span. So it's like it's a grind. We'll, we'll, I think we will have more of an idea, you know, by February what this Hawks team is. So. Sad we're out of baseball mode, Graham. But well, at least we got two sports again. Yes, yeah. and two potentially good teams to yeah. discuss. Right, right. So that's that's the good timing of this whole Braves disaster. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that wraps up the show, ladies and gents. We will see you all next week. Thanks for listening. Until then, rise up, chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospitality. Hospitality.